0: What's Your Reason? Today it's just me. Matthew's not here, um, but I'm sitting down uh, with someone that I met through the PTA here in New York State. Um, and we do want to just take a quick minute. The things that we will be discussing in this episode can possibly be difficult for some people to hear. Um, so if, you know, hearing about this Possible sexual abuse of children is too difficult for you to hear. You're going to want to skip this episode. Um, but if you want to stick around and see what Christy has to offer, then we encourage you to do so. Our guest tonight is Christy Koons. I get it. Kunz. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I've said it 13 times and can't get it right. <laughs> but she is starting a nonprofit called KKC Cares. And she's here with me today to kind of give us you know, the reasons why she's starting this business and what that's going to look like and how people can get involved
1: um, as it progresses forward. So Christy, take it away. Thank you. Um, So about 13 years ago, my daughter disclosed that she was being molested by my then husband. And um, when she disclosed, we called the police. We then the police called CPS and we went through that process. And during that investigation, they, all the professionals said that it didn't happen. That um, the detective in that case said, when he passes, or excuse me, when his lie detector test was inconclusive, that it was the same as passing, and that he had been doing this for twenty years, and he knew that he didn't do it. And then the CPS, it was unfounded. was your husband a. Uh- respected member of the community no that's no. just so I mean, surprising he was known because we sure you know we lived in the town we grew up in you know we both went to the same high school we got married you know so like mm-hmm. he was known but I wouldn't say he was it's not like he was a no. police sheriff or something like
0: that where you hear a lot of times respected members of society they just kind of brush past it but that wasn't the
1: case no no it was not and So in that process, then we decided to have um, my daughter go to Four Winds, which is the local psychiatric hospital. And while she was there, she was evaluated and diagnosed with like 12 things, 13 things, and nine of them were not otherwise specified because of her age. They can't officially diagnose you with certain things. and um, But they said it didn't happen. And So what was her behavior like at this time that she
0: would have gotten all of these diagnoses?
1: um, She was being dishonest. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, she was sneaking, you know, food and, you know, phone. And, you know, she was, um, you know, sending inappropriate messages, you know, which is all things now. Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Looking back and knowing the signs now of... And Abuse. When, when was this? So she was 13. What year was that? 2010 is the second time. So 2007. Okay. And so she was 13 at that time. She was saying it had started when she was 10. Mm-hmm. Um. And so those are the things that stick out to me. But, you know, I don't know everything that she shared. Sure. With right. everybody while she was in there, but. They said that she had trouble separating reality from fantasy. You know, every at some point in time, that clicks for Mm -hmm. kiddos, and it never did for her. And that she... Every little girl has a crush on their father. And then, because this was her stepfather, and because she couldn't separate reality from fantasy, those boundaries got blurred. And that that was why she said this. Okay. And I believed and listened to all of these professionals right instead of my daughter and so she disclosed in May and she had been going to her own counseling Mm -hmm. for years Um, he and I had been going to counseling for years and so prior to
0: her disclosure yes prior to yeah
1: like just like for parenting issues and couple stuff and she was going because her biological father was kind of in and out of her life and Just to give her a place to Mm -hmm. digest that as well as life. Right. (laughs) 13. It's hard to be 13. (laughs) Yeah. All this stuff that comes with growing up. And um, so with her counselor, her individual counselor. So she had disclosed in May and in August. It might not even have been that long till she recanted. But in August, she, her counselor encouraged her to apologize to him. Oh my God. And she did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we, with our counselor, had talked about how, you know, like what our plan of action was going to be. And what we decided was we weren't going to leave the two of them alone together. Mm-hmm. Because if she's having trouble separating reality from fantasy, I didn't want her to feel scared or be sure. unsure. And then For him, I didn't want him to be, quote-unquote, falsely accused again. Right. And so for two and a half years, that's what we did. And this was not her biological father, but we had three children biologically together. Mm -hmm. And she was the oldest. And so we were living life. We just made sure they were never alone together. So she would come and do a lot of stuff with me. And then when she was, like I said, it was two and a half years. She was about 15 and a half. The... um, Family counselor told us it was time to address the elephant in the room. If we were going to be a family, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we needed to start leaving the two of them alone together. She was good with that. He was good with that. So we started doing that. So at
0: this point in her story, do you think that she started to doubt? Oh, for sure. Like she was then thinking, maybe I made it all up? Yes. Okay.
1: Um, And so, like I said, we started leaving them alone together when I went to work and that kind of stuff. Um, But prior to that, you know, like, grocery store, she came with me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it just never happened. And um, it was August. We had gone camping. And so that summer, there was just a few things going on in our marriage. Nothing to do with this, but just a few things going on where we'd, you know, been working on it for quite some years at that point in time. but. Where I was like, you know, how much do you have to ask of somebody else to change? You know, and are we talking like changing your core to make this work? Or is it time to like kind of be like... Maybe we're not meant to be. Yeah, this just isn't fitting. And, you know, it didn't have, you know, our household didn't have a comfy feel to it. Mm -hmm. You know, at this point in time, you know, medication was happening for all of the big people in our house. And, you know, it's like, you know, how much more? And so I had... Called my dad and asked him if we could get together that week and talk. And we did. And I talked about all the stuff that was going on in my questions. And he said, well, we're, you know, we're going back home. And when we get home, your sister and your brother and your mother are going to be there. And um, what Morgan said happened before did happen and is happening again. Your dad said this. To yes. You. Um And so, we're going home to talk. And I said, okay. Got home. and Well, to my parents' home. And then, um, so, at this time, my daughter had disclosed to my sister. And so, she shared what had been disclosed. And we um, all had the conversation. And at that time, what I did was decided I was going to say that we were going to have a trial separation. And... So the children had already left the house. My sister had arranged a sleepover before school started, knowing what she knew, Right. but giving that opportunity. Um, so I just went and said we were going to do that and then went to my sister's house. And then I called my attorney the next day. And we had a conversation and she said, you know, what she's already disclosed, she's disclosed. We can't, you have to wait till she discloses something new. So mm. we... Um, with the younger children continued doing that and after two weeks Morgan just disclosed a new thing and um, or n- several new things and so then I called my attorney um then went to family court filed the paperwork for a stay away in custody mm-hmm. then called CPS and this time everybody believed Morgan all the professionals The lie detector test was inconclusive again, but this detective said that that's the same as failing. Whereas the other one said that was the same as passing. Um, So frustrating. CPS did their investigation. It was founded, you know, we were served, I was served with papers. Mm -hmm. And And wasn't that the worst part is that
0: I got charged because this happened in my home for our listeners. Uh, I went through something very similar, and I won't cut in, but Mm -hmm. um, that's the most, like, terrifying. I was convinced that they were going to take her away from me because... Big, huge paragraph in bold black letters and capital. And then I I also, I went to get a a caseworker job years and years later. Uh, My daughter's 10 now, and you know what I mean? And I can't because that something that he did... Way back then, and because I happen to live in the same house, I now can't follow through on certain opportunities that I would want to follow through on because of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating.
1: Yeah. No, and like you said, terrifying when yeah, you get that paper, those papers. You're like, what? And, you know, it got clarified for me, but I'm sitting here, you know, getting served by the sheriff. Right. My children are all scared now because they're seeing, you know, like. Oh, yeah. And so, but everybody believed her, and then we were sitting down with the ADA, and, um, you know, she was talking to her about different options, like, not different op- the plea deals, the possibilities, and mm-hmm. all of that, and at this time, she's 16, and uh, they shared with her that the reason why they believed her was because, or one of the reasons why they believed her was because she shared again. Mm -hmm. And she would not have disclosed again if it wasn't happening, especially based on how it went the first time.
0: Right. Well, that's very true. It was
1: probably quite traumatic for her the first time. Horrible. Right. This poor kiddo. Yeah. You know, I I can't. I think about that often. And her and I talk about it often, Mm -hmm. you know, about what that must have felt like and how that was. And so the second time when we're doing this, this time, like I said, four kiddos. We've left our home. Mm Mm-hmm. We've now gotten our own apartment. I was homeschooling the children at the time, working super part-time. You know, everybody has to be in counseling now. We couldn't share with the other children Mm -hmm. what was happening. So for nine months, they just thought mom and dad were getting separated and divorced. We couldn't talk about anything else. But all of a sudden, you know, they have to have a supervisor on their visits. Right. But we can't talk about why. Right. So. How old were they at the time? Ten, seven, and three, almost four. So at least one of them. Oh, the 10-year-old was furious with me. Right. Furious with me because she knew all something of something was happening. Yes, that the truth was, wasn't being shared. Yes. And so everybody's in counseling. You know, we're going we're doing all of that. And so we are going through family court and we have a hearing on a Friday. The family court judge gives him unsupervised visits for that Saturday for all of them including Morgan no Morgan is a, okay. a non-issue because at so this he's time. not her biological Correct. father right. right so um and there was a stay away order granted but he could have the supervised visitation time and then he could have this visitation time unsupervised when this family court judge okay. said so so Friday at morning we go to that hearing at this time, I was still staying at my sister's. Go there. We get mail. It's from the Saratoga County Advocacy, you no know, Victim Advocacy Unit. And they, you know, say, because of what's going on in your world, they list all these charges and everything. You know, we're here to be a support to you, blah, 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 blah. I was like, what? So I called them. They pretty much reiterate the letter to me. And I'm like, so are you telling me he's being charged? And they're like, yeah. No No, one had told me. Wow. I had no idea. I got this letter. (laughs) And if I hadn't called them. (laughs) Right. And so now it's the afternoon. So I call my attorney. I'm like, oh, and that there was a warrant out for his arrest. So So I'm like, like, I'm not dropping my kids off to him. Right. But now there's nothing more I can do either. It's a Friday afternoon. Right. And so, you know, she recommends trying to call the state trooper, find out, blah, 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 blah. He's off. We don't know. So... We made it through that weekend, but of course my family's terrified. We did not drop the children off. Okay. But my children my family's terrified, you know, that, his, that there's gonna be some type of retribution. Yes. And all of those pieces. But I'm so now I'm at the count, my counselor's the next week or two and I'm talking to her about how, you know, like CPS isn't talking, like how did the family court not know? Right, that there was a warrant out for his arrest, and right, that's insane. How did CPS not know that? Because I called walk them into a courthouse with a warrant and then leave a free person that that doesn't make any sense. No, no. And so I was like, how? And so I'm talking to her about how how does this happen and who who communicates with each other? How do you know who coordinates all of this? And she's like, you do. But what? And I'm just looking at her. I was like.
0: Because, uh, number one, I have zero idea how any of this works, so how am I supposed to know how to coordinate it? And, two, my whole world is literally falling apart around me. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to keep track of your paperwork? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, hmm
1: And make all those phone calls so I have the information because nobody calls me so that then I can pass right. out. You know? and, but if you don't have the information, you don't
0: know what information you need to ask for. You didn't know on Friday that he could be charged with anything that you weren't why would you even think that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so for you to know who to call and what questions to ask to get the information is impossible mm-hmm. it's just not yeah yep
1: yeah. that's insane <laughs> <laughs> and so i i just said to her i was like that so wait a minute so on top of i have four children one you know who has to be given an opportunity to heal Mm -hmm. you know and help and then her and i have stuff we have to you know like oh yeah you know and then three other children who i can't even be completely honest with and oh and we had to do like all of this separating because when we had to talk about something that had to do with her they couldn't be around and then they had like court mandated phone calls with him but it had to be on speakerphone so that i could supervise so then making sure she didn't have to hear his voice and didn't have to hear, you know, so just like it's a lot of pieces, all of that. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, counseling for everybody, still homeschooling, now have to work more, you know, like establish a home right, for them. You know, like, so besides living life <laughs> in a traumatic, right. our whole world's turned upside down way, now I also have to know how to navigate and coordinate all these systems that I've never even worked in before right so that is where KKC Cares came from is in that office I was like that is not right no they shouldn't have to do this and then it's been 10 years now and I've learned a lot mm-hmm. and helped other families been parts of support groups heard so many stories yeah that you learn there isn't much of a learning curve with this right you get one chance. Yeah, you get one child. And we were lucky enough to get two. Right. But most families don't. Right. And so, yeah, it's one time. And then that's what that family got. And right. if you don't have, if you don't know all this stuff. Right. And it just, it boggles my mind. So I've been listening to another
0: podcast uh, called Fake Priest. Um, that's not the full title. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's basically this idea of this man who was, Bopping around the country, scamming all of these people. And he would get caught in every place that he was. And then go on. But because they don't feel that juries would care because these people got duped and it's their own stupid fault, he would just get a free pass or he wouldn't get arrested. Or if he did get charged, he had people so wrapped around his finger that they would pay his bail for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like So he just gets to live this life and the court... In one instance where they had all of this evidence, well, the prosecutor decides that he's going to run for a political office. And so they strip away all of his cases. And so this woman who's in the middle of has gathered all of this information against this person who took $2 million from her or something like that. Just, well, it just fell through the cracks. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. It just... Mm -hmm. are you shitting me like it doesn't make any sense like Mm -hmm. this is your job this is you're supposed to protect us you're supposed to help us when our kids are hurting or when we're hurting and nobody cares Mm -hmm. they're just there to do a job and i don't mean to say that the whole system is like that but that's what it feels like well
1: yes it definitely Mm -hmm. can feel that way yes and and the way that I started talking about it is we have some missing pieces. Mm. There are some missing pieces in our system and I don't, in our systems. And the idea that advocates are not just a natural
0: part of, I mean, when I went through it, so there was a program called star Mm -hmm. and I can never remember what it stood for, but sexual trauma and rape or something like that. where like, they would meet women in the hospital when they were raped or things like that. And children with, sexual abuse they would be involved and they would supervise um because like parents aren't allowed in the interview rooms Mm -hmm. with the kids they would have this other person there for them yes
1: which if you don't mind i would like to pause there and just tell everybody that if this ever happens in your world you can ask that they do a forensic interview at a child advocacy center Mm. a lot of people don't know that and the first time with my daughter, she went to the sheriff's station at the county jail, which is terrifying. Yeah, that's awful. And then the second time to an advocacy center where it was the forensic interview, which meant only one time mm-hmm. does that interview have to happen. Yeah, it's actually And everybody really, who's supposed to be there is there. Right. They have a camera. Mm-hmm. So they're all watching the interview
0: happen, but they're not sitting there staring mm-hmm. at your child. If your kid is young enough, like my daughter was four at the time, she's coloring and playing with toys Mm -hmm. and she just you know they're talking
1: and playing and doing their thing yep and
0: like you said she only had at at that point she only had to do it once i mean once you start going to through the court that's a different story but at the beginning she only had to do it one time and so star had somebody who was able to and she was a person who i finally opened up to because i'm trying to protect my family and not let my husband get falsely accused and all of those pieces and um, but then I did I sat close enough to the door where they were interviewing and heard one specific thing mm-hmm. that my daughter would not have known at four years old and that was when it like hit me mm-hmm. and that was the moment where it was like nope I cannot protect him anymore. This is obviously true. And now I need to protect my daughter. Because up until then, I was denying it. Mm-hmm. Because he had answers for everything, right? Mm-hmm. He explained it all away. And, you know, at that moment, she, the woman from STARS was the first person that I finally was able to open up to. And she literally held my hand through the entire journey. Mm-hmm. She went to every court date with me. She helped me write my victim impact statement. She told me what to expect even so at one point when my daughter was telling her story for I don't know how many times and they had to videotape it for the grand jury because she was young enough that they weren't going to make her sit in the room Mm -hmm. they videotaped it but she was like she literally hid underneath the table Mm -hmm. because she didn't I don't want to talk you're talking to all these
1: random strangers too about something that's
0: yes and so this woman who had been with us the whole time and we built a rapport with, both my daughter and I, you know, she climbed under the table with her and gave her this confidence lion that she could hold while she, you know, like all of that. Mm-hmm. Those pieces that nobody else could do for us. You know what I mean? So I was blessed to have that. Mm-hmm. that but that organization no longer exists. Mm-hmm. They closed, you know. But they also had... Victim advocacy people through the district attorney's office. Yes, I believe.
1: through the county.
0: Right. Um, but it's a very advocate. limited role well, and of what they can provide for you. On
1: top of that, that's only if there's criminal charges pressed. Oh, right, right. So I never thought of that. a family no. who's doing this and CPS is investigating. It's not enough for, you know, criminal court because, but family court and CPS have a different burden of proof. right. It's enough for CPS to do something and it's enough for family court to do something or it's enough for CPS to do something and not family court. And, you know, right, so like all goes, you yeah. only get to be able to use the county advocacy unit or crime victim advocacy unit if there's criminal charges pressed. Right. And then, like you said, even with them, they have a limited. Right. You know, and so that was another piece that I learned is. It's not that these people are horrible people. Oh, absolutely. No. I mean, some are, just like you find everywhere, everywhere. in yeah, right. the world. Sometimes they are seriously just working within the parameters of their job. Right. They're working within the parameters of the system that exists. And there's only so much that they can do. Right. And there's only so many places they can go. And so that was another step that I or another thing I learned in these steps along the way mm-hmm. is which is okay, but when you're hearing some of those things from people and then like by the time that we had our second by the time Morgan just closed again, mm-hmm. the people that were that we talked to in the sheriff's station that first night and the CPS worker who investigated, they no longer were with either right. agency. So that's the other piece to this too, is there's a high turnover mm-hmm. in certain positions just because it's Exhausting. It's grueling work, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then and then, you know, how well trained, how much experience do they have? You know, again, not knocking them, but if you have a new parent coming into this situation asking these questions, they only know what they know. Right. And then they only know what they can share. Right. Or there's only so much they can share of what they know. Mm-hmm. So having somebody who can help you, you know, walk that path with you. Mm-hmm is an incredible gift. So that's what you're looking to do yes. for other
0: families. Yes. You want to be that person that keeps track of everything for them and well, tells and them what of, needs
1: to happen and when. I think of it as like a, you know, guide them, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I don't have all the answers. Right. You know, I I can't do all the jobs, but, you know, help guide you as you're learning and as you're doing this and so that you know you're not alone Right. in this either. Because with any sexual trauma but most definitely child molestation there is a major taboo that goes with it it's Mm -hmm. something that a lot of people don't like to talk about and you know i still have times where i will say that word out loud and you will or that phrase out loud and you will see people physically pull back Mm -hmm. from you Mm -hmm. and some of that is just because we don't even want to imagine right that that could even happen And then some of it is because they have their own traumas. Right. That they haven't. I know I experienced probably both sides of that where there are those
0: gawkers who weren't really a part of my life, but were on the outskirts of my life that all of a sudden found it fascinating Mm -hmm. and were then all ears and wanted to ask all of the questions. And then there was the opposite extreme where I had a very, very dear friend of mine at the time. I never heard from her. She ghosted me Mm -hmm. just like gone out of my life i've never heard from her since because it was too much for Mm -hmm. her to handle um which of course was painful at the time Mm -hmm. but looking back on it is under like it's one of those things where you can't control yes your reaction to trauma right Mm -hmm. to your triggers and that was just too much for her and she couldn't Mm -hmm. be my friend anymore
1: and that was something that i would say to people too and now i've been a part of a Support group phone call for non-offending parents um, through another organization called Talk, and it's T A A L K. It was the only support group I found in all those years. Yeah. and it's every Wednesday night. And um, but having conversations with people, they really struggle with that. They mm-hmm. really struggle with, you know, I thought this was my best friend. I thought that, and one of, and I can understand because I did too. And right. and then especially seeing my children suffer through that you know right. like again grew up in this town they've lived in this town a month before they're at one of these kiddos birthday parties and then now we're at the, so- the softball fields and that entire family's ignoring them again they had no idea for right. nine months we couldn't tell them right but now they've lost half their family and a good amount of friends right and so i can i can relate i understand yeah and my thing was okay you get to do this how it works for you but I get to do it how it works for me, too. Right. And I, I had a friend tell me um, I was no longer welcome at her home. That's That her husband was angry and I was no longer welcome at her home. He was
0: angry because he didn't believe? Because I
1: was getting divorced. Oh, okay. Um, and then a couple years later you know, she came back and we had another conversation. She had learned more. She had grown and we're in a different place in which I still think was very brave of her to come back because oh, absolutely, you could have very easily been like, Psh. yeah.
0: <laughs> or even like that. realized
1: and then felt so guilty that you couldn't. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but all different reactions, you know, yeah. I had somebody say to me, I, and, but you're attractive. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, and this is like an acquaintance kind of thing. Right. And I'm like, okay dropping off you know furniture we needed furniture it's not like and that. he
0: cheated on me like it's not like he found a girl at
1: the grocery store like that's not what yeah. this is about she's like well you're attractive i would understand if you weren't attractive and i'm just sitting there staring at her like i'm like i'm not even i don't even know what to say to this yeah but amazing. like so that's the other part to this is everybody comes at it from their own place their own level of understanding right just like with everything else right. um so one of the things I learned is you get to do you, Mm -hmm. but I get to do me. Right. And I'm I'm going to do this for my family. As someone who's
0: walked through it, what would you say for those people who, because I know that in situations that I haven't experienced, somebody loses um, a child in a car accident, you don't know what to say Mm -hmm. because whatever, you know, they could take it the wrong way. You know what I mean? So if, if there's someone listening who's like, I want to be a positive support to someone in my life who this happens to. What would you say is the best way for a layperson, just a friend, to
1: be a support to a family member? To listen. Listen is really important. You know, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. you have questions that you want to ask and feel free to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, But also keep in mind sometimes they don't have those answers. Like how could it be if he pled guilty to something he could still see his kids? They're still reeling from that same exact question, right? And they don't know. And so, listening and not, you know, yes, be justifiably angry, but not like, well, somebody's got to do something else, or there must have been. And don't act more angry than I
0: am in this moment, because sometimes, and I know for me, because it happened so fast, where one day I took him to the police station for what we thought was a child support issue because he had other kids and he was a deadbeat in all sorts of areas. So he wasn't paying child support. So the cops come to my door and say, you know, we need to speak to him. And I lie and say he's not here. And they're like, well, it's just this child support thing. Like, he just needs to take care of it. We don't want to come back out here. Like, you know, just have him come in. And that's how they broached it with me. Mm-hmm. So I I talk him into it. I'm like, we we just have to deal with this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I drop him off at the police station and then never he never comes home again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was sudden. And there's that aspect of I struggled for a long time because I wasn't angry. I was just sad. Because mm-hmm. we had a fairly decent relationship in the fact that we were still friends. We still enjoyed spending. You know what I mean? Like we weren't on the brink of splitting up mm-hmm. we were he was my husband and yeah he had problems but I never thought that that would be one and now my family just fell apart mm-hmm. and my daughter had the same thing we're like mm-hmm. she loved her dad and so the idea that she's never going to see him again because she literally never laid eyes on him again
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. didn't get to say goodbye well of that. sometimes people think too well if they're molesting them why would they want to see them Because it's only a part of their relationship with them. And in this case, that's their father. You know, they love their dad. And, you know, um, in our situation, there was the um, three younger children loving their father. Mm -hmm. And that was encouraged and supported in our home. And we talked often about how even with the three of them, they're all at different places with their father. Mm -hmm. Like now they're 20, 17 and 14 and everybody's at different places in regards to their relationship with him and you have to give them room right. to be there you it right. just, you that can't was one make thing them with my daughter you know especially at the
0: beginning where you know she would be like well i miss him and mm-hmm. i be like you know what i miss him too mm-hmm. you know i'm sad too and it's okay to be sad it's okay to love him but you know he's just not safe for us to be around, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things where, and I think that that, I don't know, she was so young that, I don't know, part of her kind of turned him into this, like, not even a saint, because she knew that he made bad choices, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, she still just holds on to this idea of life would be better if he was back, mm-hmm. even now, Um, and I don't know if that's because, I, I mean but I was very open with her. I never lied to her about mm-hmm. anything. When she asked what happened, I gave her the smallest right few, cause cause she she was, age appropriate right. yep.
1: Well I think for the kiddos part of that too is you want to be able to have healthy parents. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to just love your parents. Right. You want to just have a good comfy relationship with your parents. even as adults. If you don't have that with one of your parents, you want that, you know? So like to be a child and want it makes complete sense. Absolutely. So you go looking for it. And then, and then there's that deciphering through, you know, who is this person? Like I've talked to my children for a long time about how I wanted them to get to know their father was where it started, but now we've added me, grandparents, everybody in their world for who they are, Mm -hmm. the good and the bad. And just because there's some quote unquote bad with someone doesn't mean that there can't be some good with someone. Right. But you ultimately get to decide where does this person fit in your world. Right. And just because somebody is your parent or a blood relative doesn't mean that they just get to be in your life. Right. You get to decide where Mm -hmm. they fit in it. And that was one of the things, another one of the things that I learned through this process, too, is Different boundaries, different understanding of things, you know, not just doing something because you should do it. Mm-hmm. Really looking at, you know, like the mental health education we have gotten Oh yes, mm-hmm. in these years has been an incredible gift to us, but also to others because, you know, you can share that information. Yeah. So going back to if you had a friend who, mm-hmm. I was just going to say that, you know, like you being sad, mm-hmm. there are some times where people are like, how could you be sad? Right. He molested your child. You shouldn't want to have anything to do with them. Yes, but I'm also going to mourn the marriage. Right, mourn you know? my loss yes. and the loss that my children Child, have. yes, yeah. you know, and there is that. Now, for me, I, especially at that time, had a very unhealthy ability of putting things in boxes mm-hmm. and then putting them away. So I actually didn't even delve into that till almost like seven years later. Wow where i let myself really go into Mm -hmm. and then i was able to look at now you know yes there were parts of him that i loved but again we had been working on many things you know and and at this point in time from what i can see you know he is with someone who is a very good fit and has been a gift to my kiddos you know so if they do have to spend time with you know finding those gifts and Mm -hmm. so like if your friend is able to come up with those types of things don't attack them for them Mm -hmm. you know like listen but still share your and then if you can't do that right now that's okay but be honest with that too just be like you know or I can only do this for like 10 minutes or I can do this only once a week Mm -hmm. you know like you know know yourself enough to be able to put those boundaries in place for you sure and respect what boundaries they put in place and then if they're not able to because sometimes if they're in a trauma it's all about them and that's okay you just pay attention to the time and then be like well it was really you know I'm sad to hear all this or whatever it is and you know I'll talk to you again next week and so you just keep doing that um and you know you didn't believe until you heard Mm -hmm. from your daughter you know you heard that sentence for me I had no idea I seriously had no idea and so like one of my bigger struggles has been that whole you know as a parent you'll know as a mother you'll know you have this instinct and you'll know and you know hindsight being 2020 have you noticed anything no Mm -hmm. and that was terrifying to me yes because then I'm like okay so am I that like cut off am I that observant am I that whatever or then like how will I
0: ever exactly
1: and then how am I going to know going teachers and
0: grandparents and cousins and Mm -hmm. you know the strangely enough in my story I ended up meeting my second husband only six months after It all came out about my first husband. We were still going through court. He hadn't been sent. None of that. We were still doing all that when I met my current husband. And I had someone at work, like, when it came out that I was dating someone new, she was just flabbergasted. Like, how on earth could you possibly trust another man after what happened? And it was just, you know, well, I can't put his sins onto every single person Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like I can't live in a world like that Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning if I viewed everyone through the lens of what this one person did Mm -hmm. and it was actually the greatest blessing I could because he was able to hold my hand through my grief and I don't know very many people who could do that, Mm -hmm. who could be there with this person while they're grieving another person. Mm -hmm. And he was also very influential with my children. And like when Phoebe would find a picture of her dad and she'd get excited and she'd run and show Matthew, look what I found. He he would get excited for her. Like, that's great. I'm so happy Mm -hmm. that you found that picture. That's awesome. I had pictures of him on my walls. That didn't bother him. You know what I mean? Like all of those things where he gave me the space Mm -hmm. to navigate through this, but he was there for me Mm -hmm. through it. And I don't think I could have made it through it without him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but it is that idea of he was there so quick, but I was just able to, Mm -hmm. and not everybody can do that.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I, so that would be the thing when you say like, so what do you want to do with this? It's not only help families as they're going through this traumatic transition, And but it's also that giving them space to be who they are, where they are, when they're there, Mm -hmm. because I feel like or based on my experience and then now many other people, when no one can understand what you're going through, that's one major blockage. And then the other is then people will sometimes for the first time ever think about what would I do? If I was in this situation, because it's not something we think about right. typically before, we see the commercials that tell you, these are the signs of, and that whole stranger danger thing, right. when 90% of the children who are molested are molested by people they know and trust, not a stranger. Right. So you just, like, what we've learned as a society, or what's been shared with us in public service announcements is only so much. Right. So you have that hurdle, and then then also not to mention the fact that having someone who is
0: at these appointments with you, Mm -hmm. because when you go through that level of trauma, and this is well-documented, well-studied, your brain shuts off. Yes. My brain is no longer able to function at the IQ level that it has always functioned at. Mm -hmm. I... It's amazing that I got here with shoes on my feet. Mm -hmm. That's the level of survival mode that my brain is in right now. So now I'm going to have judges and attorneys and advocates giving me all this information. And you can get this resource here and this resource here. And if you fill out this paperwork, you can get this. And if you do this, you can get that. When I walk out of that room, none of that is in my brain. Well, that's why they
1: have... um... You know, the parent. You at an IEP meeting, you mm-hmm. can ask to have another parent there that's already been through this, because your brain can only hear so much. Right. You, you can only process and retain so much. Right. So having somebody else beside you that has already done this, so this isn't a new arena. Right. And then isn't as emotionally right involved besides going through a trauma. If you add this, right. You know, can now be there to help be your ears. Right. And like for me, when You know, for me, my marriage was null and void. I started like diving into all these things of, well, then was it with this? And so was he lying to me this whole time? You know, for us, we had that three-year period Mm -hmm. in between and all these things. And I was like, you know what? It's just null and void. So that's where my brain Mm -hmm. put it for a while. And then, you know, and could recognize those positives and those negatives and have those conversations with the children. But as far as I was concerned, null and void that is a totally different situation than when you experience. Right. But if I put on you, well how could you even have right wanted, you know, so my hope is that this will be an advocate as well as a liaison but then a support too. And so that's a lot of roles to kind of play. Sure. in this situation. So when you're saying like how can others help, you know, you're in a place now where you have worked through mm-hmm. and you're ready for, and you'd like to do something that helps Absolutely. other families while they're going through that. When you're first going through it, I wouldn't recommend that. No, no. <laughs> You're not ready to do right. that, mm-hmm. but you maybe, you know, can join a support group call right. and get that support, you know, like, so helping guide people. Right. And also understanding
0: the idea of, and I think that, you could really be valuable in this area as well. So I have been through this trauma and even at the time I knew that I wanted to do what Robin was able to do Mm -hmm. for me for other people. I knew that obviously it wasn't happening in that moment, but I wanted to. And Mm -hmm. like that was my initial like you know light silver lining in the situation. Um, But having someone to be like, okay, well, let's really dive deep and let's understand what level and what boundary Mm -hmm. you have at this moment. And it can change, it can Mm -hmm. fluctuate. Whereas I'm, I don't know, five years out from it, I have a lot more strength behind me now than I did a year out, right? Mm -hmm. And to even be that kind of person, Mm we're like, I'm so excited that you want to be a part of this. Let's figure out what will work for you without traumatizing you more. Mm -hmm. But also giving you that space to be able, because that is part of healing, right? Taking my pain pain and helping you through similar pain can be healing for me. So let's find a way for you to be able to
1: do that while it's still healthy for you. Yes, because then there are some people that, Once they get through it, they don't ever want to go back. That's okay, too. You know, and and sometimes I'll have people be like, well, I couldn't even imagine after I want to be done. Okay. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't make you a bad person because you don't want to go out and, you know, lead the charge. (laughs) You know, we all are in. And that's where sometimes, like, so KKC Cares is going to be offering a support group once a week. It's going to start virtually for right now just because of COVID. Yes. Mm -hmm. But also because then if it is that you're all by yourself, it's eight thirty on a Tuesday, your kiddos can be tucked into bed, Mm -hmm. you can still be home with them. Right. But have your own time Mm -hmm. to be able to whereas sometimes getting a babysitter to be able to go to a support group. Especially when you're in the middle of I mm -hmm. don't
0: maybe I can't afford to hire a babysitter. Mm -hmm. I've never had to deal with babysitters
1: before because I always had a partner, and now I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Or if you have an open CPS investigation and you're concerned about letting that's letting. just this big unknown, oh, yeah. and that can become scary too. Right. And and then now you're in a trauma, and your children are in trauma. Maybe they don't want you to go anywhere. You know, like right. there's that's so true. many reasons why. So we're going no matter what i think we will always offer a virtual aspect yes just because i think that's a
0: one positive thing that we can take away from COVID, right yes is that we have moved our we know now that our kids can learn virtually if they need to and i hate it and it drives me insane but what if my kid gets sick and can't go to school for mm-hmm. a year we have another option mm-hmm. now right or how about i don't need to be an administrative assistant In your office building, Mm -hmm. I can do it from home. Like, we have this whole idea of, like, we're learning how well we can function in a virtual world when necessary. Does that mean that we want to cut out all personal connection? No. But we have options. Like, maybe I can't get to my counseling appointment in the middle of the day because I have to work. But I can take my hour lunch break, Mm -hmm. go sit in my car, and have a counseling appointment. Yes. Like, we are moving to this idea of, like, we can still it's an easier way of handling all the balls
1: that we have to juggle. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's totally negative. No, I agree. I and especially if you're looking for like what are the positives? We've learned right. in this, <laughs> that is one of them yes, for right. sure. And then the advocacy and the liaison part of it are, you know, helping advocate for you mm-hmm. until you're an advocate with you. Right. You know, not doing it for you necessarily, but advocate with you. Um, but it sometimes it will be for you because right. that's just where you're at at that time right. and that's okay. And then um be a liaison between those different agencies for right, you. Kind of keeping and, um, track
0: of yes. You need to fill out this paperwork right now. Yes. And we need to fill out this paperwork right now. And we and need we to can call, do it together. Right. And we need to call this person right now and we need to, you know, and mm-hmm. hey, by the way, don't forget you have that
1: court date tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll meet you there, kind of a thing. And the strategy too, because not a legal, like I'm not giving legal advice, I'm right. not doing, but, you know, being able to have that conversation because if you're paying your attorney an hourly rate, some of that you're not going to talk about right. with them because you're not wanting to do that. And right. they have a specific job to do, but calling and saying, you know, I'm not sure how we can word this, but, you know, I'm concerned about dot, dot, dot. Right. Well, I've talked with other people and this might be a way and how do you feel comfortable and kind of even... I've had clients where they um, are having a meeting with their attorney in the next few days. And they're like, this is what I'm thinking, but it's so jumbled. How do I put this into words that make sense to my attorney? What questions am I supposed to ask? Ask. Yes. Because that's the, you have to have
0: a certain level of knowledge to be able to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And if you, A, are not thinking clearly, or B, just don't know. Genuinely have no idea. And then there's also that aspect of there is a huge population of people who don't have the mental capacity on a regular day yes to be able to understand so to have someone be like what questions do I ask okay let's brainstorm a list you can walk in with this piece of paper write down their answers if I can't be there with you yes. or if I can be there with you I'm gonna write down the answers while you're just sitting there listening or mm-hmm. whatever because
1: and, and another piece too is um that just because the professional said this doesn't mean you have to listen that's okay. a whole new concept sure I believe professionals right without I, I came from a place where if this is your job of course of I'm course gonna. you know what you're doing right I have no idea that's very so I'm true. going to believe you right and again not saying you don't listen but they're functioning from the place that they're functioning right. from even like in a medical standpoint asking for a second opinion yes you know what I mean like Yes, which you don't always think you can do that with a counselor or whatever. And I tell people all the time, no, you get to go in and interview that counselor. Right. You get to decide, is this a good fit for me and my child? Right. And and then with, you know, like if you're talking to CPS, yes, hear what they're saying, but doesn't mean you can't ask questions. Right. You know, but some people find CPS scary. And then especially if you go back to, you know, like being sent to the principal's office brings out fear in you, Mm -hmm. any other form of authority is going to do the same. And now you're traumatized. But so sometimes, too, the advocacy is that you have rights. Mm -hmm. Your family has rights. Yeah. And yes, you have to work in the system, but you still get to have rights in the system. You don't have to hand over all control because a lot of this feels out of control. Right. So this gives you a chance.
0: So is it something that you are working with families primarily with the sexual abuse aspect or... Are you branching out to
1: domestic abuse? Well, right now, our mission statement says for children or families that are being um, going through a traumatic transition because of child sexual abuse. Okay. That is what our mission statement says. Um, And, you know, helping them. And that is enough of a focus where you will be very busy. Yes. 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 (laughs) And helping them go from survival to thriving Mm -hmm. because. That's the other part that's sometimes missing is like, just like we know what is grooming look like or the signs of abuse look like. Okay. But then what do we do after? Right. So right. yes, now we've made it through court. Yeah. That's but a what very do we important do after? Piece. The woman who helped me through
0: that time, I met, continually met with her for a year. Mm-hmm. Even though this stuff was kind of done, I, she was still a support for me. Well, and the only reason why I stopped being with her was because her business ended. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but, like, having that piece of, like, okay, now we have to put our lives back together. Yes.
1: And and not only just put it back together, because that's the other thing is sometimes people will talk about, well, you know, we're never going to have this again. Or, you know, at holidays, we don't do this again. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Or that friend and you are never going to go out and have lunch together again. Yes. But now you get to write what do you want it to look like. Not only you don't have to just take the scraps that you've been given. Right. And put that back together. Right. You get to write You get to design what do you want your life to look like? What traditions do you want to have with your kiddos? How do you want your home to feel when you walk in the door? Because often, especially if it is someone in your home or in your inner circle who have molested your children, you've been groomed too. Right. You've been conditioned too. And usually there's some type of abuse that goes with that, whether right. it be mental, emotional, you know, physical. There's usually some type of abuse that went with that. So it's not just a healing for the child. Absolutely. It's a healing for the entire family. Right. And then usually, or I shouldn't say usually, and sometimes even a little bit further out from the immediate family. It's your, with your fam, your parents, right. your, yeah. you know, and so our mission is to help victims but direct and indirect victims of because that's the other piece that's sometimes missing is it's just
0: who it happened
1: to right but not all of these other pieces and that's their support that's especially because like in your case and my case there was
0: other siblings involved who now have lost a parent or their -hmm. relationship with their parent has
1: changed dramatically Or they Um, have to learn this stuff at a much younger age than they ever should have had to.
0: And we still, my son was only 18 months old when it happened. So obviously he had no idea. And he wouldn't, if I showed him a picture of his father, he wouldn't know who Mm he was. But he still has this, and because my daughter talks about it, Mm -hmm. and you know, so he still has this idea of he misses him. And he'll say that every now and then. But I'm like, you don't even know what, who you're missing, you know. But it's but the, the idea. T- of, right, the feeling yes. of it. But he doesn't know the details or the specifics of why it all happened, which I'm sure he will learn as he gets older. Mm-hmm. But as of now, at seven, he doesn't know. Well, and, something- and he doesn't ask questions. Where my daughter asked questions. Right. And I always gave her the honest answer. Um, but, yeah, my son doesn't really ask Cause he doesn't know to ask where mm-hmm. she was
1: like involved in it. Yes. You know what I mean? So. And something I've seen too, is that each stage of development or whichever, you know, a uh, level of understanding that the children have different things come up. So even yeah, though you it. answered that question, yeah, however long ago, they right. now we, understand something else. <laughs> we are always ex- like, as we had, like we
0: told her what sex was you know, that adds another layer of what happened to you that you didn't understand before, you know. Mm -hmm. When she was four, it was he broke a safety rule. Mm -hmm. If people ask you to do this, this is breaking a safety rule. But now that she understands what happened to her, that's a whole other level. Mm -hmm. When she starts to experience Mm -hmm. sexual relationships in a positive way, this is going to then change mm-hmm. and she's going to have to deal with it in a different way.
1: Well, and for my daughter, that was what triggered why she disclosed was because she started to realize, "Hey, wait a minute. What happened wasn't what was supposed to happen." Right. And it can and, and and anything along this line can feel like this. Mm-hmm. And that's not how that felt. You know, like right. so yeah, just different levels and and so it's different for the child Well, it's different for all of them, but the child who's been molested and then the children who haven't, but it's been introduced into their world or they get a different level of understanding or then they have children and they have to decide, is this person anybody I would want to have be around my children? And then if not, why? You know, like just things that they sometimes don't even realize. So that support, not saying necessarily that you have an agency that helps you through it from then to 20 years later, but... You have
0: like, well, I met these people through a support group. Yes. And now I have these people that I can turn to and ask these questions. Or five years down the road, I still have your phone number Mm -hmm. and I call you up. You know, we're dealing with this right now. What's your advice or who can you refer me to Mm -hmm. in this moment? So you might not hold my hand for the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. but you're still always going to be a source of
1: knowledge that I can come to. Yes, and that you don't feel alone. Right. In this, right? You know, like you know, there is someone somewhere, and that I know you that, can that we can reach out have to. talked
0: um, previously about the idea of introducing a level of um, having a support group for the children yes. as well, and like not just the victim but their siblings yes. and their. I think that that's important piece yes. too, so that they understand that they are also not alone. Because like, yes, I can talk to my child. But having her, as of right now, she doesn't necessarily know anyone else who has mm-hmm. lived through it, mm-hmm. and she is very open and talks about it. But not all kids do, mm-hmm. and so she might well, know someone who's been some through it, but she doesn't know. Might not even know what that is, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I know she was. It's funny because she is such an open, bright, shining light that she would talk about things mm-hmm. because it's her experience, and. I had to tell you, like, you know, it is your story, and you get to tell whoever you want to tell about this. I go, but the kids your age at five and six, you know, when we are dealing with it in a heavier way, they don't understand. It's mm-hmm. so, like she would say things at school, and her teachers all knew. No. yep. And so I get a <laughs> phone call. Just so you know, she was saying this thing, and the kids didn't understand it, so they ignored it. But just if you could maybe have a conversation with her about, Maybe we don't talk about that at school. (laughs) And then just recently she wrote, she had to write a paper about something that impacted her life. Mm. And she chose to write about it. And her teacher is a man. And I can only imagine what his brain did when he read that paper. Mm -hmm. But she, and it's funny because I read it and she does not remember things the way that it actually happened. Mm -hmm. But in a positive
1: way, like in a, well, she and, remembers less than what actually happened. Yes, and like you said too, statistically we know when you've gone through a trauma, right. what you remember is right. going to be fragmented and you might put together this story from Tuesday and this story from okay. whatever, you know, like so, yeah. and then thankfully, yes, yeah, she was young. Right, yeah. And, and yeah, has... Her own level yeah. of remembering so I was, and understanding. I was kind of
0: relieved mm-hmm. when I read it. I'm like, all right, I like your version of events better than my version of events. Mm-hmm. So until and I will never lie to her. So if she asks questions mm-hmm. as she gets older, I will tell her the whole entire truth. But until that time comes, I'm happy with letting her sit with her mm-hmm. miniature version of events. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so. Yes, we would like to have a support group for the kiddos, mm-hmm. and then we'd also like to have a support group for siblings of, okay. so that they are again not feeling alone mm-hmm. in this. And then, um, for family, you know. So we the first step first step we're doing is for non offending parents, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then keep growing it, and right. the other program that we'd like to eventually offer too is um there are a couple books that have been invaluable to our kiddos um you know that I've shared and I say are because I also have a granddaughter now Mm. that you know we've read these books with too but it's um some secrets should never be kept and I said no a book about boundaries okay and the I said no one also talks about how like you could be hanging out with a friend and and not necessarily just sexual, but they ask you to keep a secret and that you don't feel... So, like, it does a great job of just I, all I had around. another
0: experience with my daughter. It was actually kind of cute uh, a few years ago. Um, oh, so we had... This is so silly. But she was struggling with, like, finishing books. So we had this competition, her and I. Mm-hmm. And we're, like, whoever finished their book first was going to win the competition mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. And her brother was like, well, I finished my like he wanted to be a part of this competition, Mm -hmm. but he was so much young. He's three years younger than her, so he couldn't really participate in it. You know what I mean? But I was like, just let him think that he, you know what I mean? Like, just it's (laughs) she could not do it. She was like, I can't. How long are we going to have to lie to him? That's how she took it Mm -hmm. in her mind. It makes me feel so yucky inside that we aren't telling him the truth. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ask you to not then. at yeah, that. You know, good job using your voice. <laughs> right. I was like, you go ahead and you tell them whatever you need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the person that tells you to keep quiet. Yeah. Even though it was something so, so silly, yeah. I wasn't going to discount it, you mm-hmm. know? Yes. And we also, in our house, we talk a lot about, so my, my husband, he's big Vermont, you know, hunter and grew up in a military family. And so, like, he'll play with the kids and... Or he'll even, there's a couple of instances of like, we really value language, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're tickling the kids and they say stop, even though they're laughing, hands off, yep, immediately, done. Until they say, tickle me again, just done. Mm -hmm. Because it teaches our girls that they should expect when I say stop, that everything that's happening stops. Mm -hmm. And we're teaching our son that when a girl says stop, No matter if she's acting like she's Mm -hmm. enjoying it, we're done. Yep, done. Yep. And then also my husband says a lot, you know, you're crying like a little girl. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) And the first time I did it, he was like, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm like, those, the way we use our language influences how they see themselves and Mm -hmm. how they see other people. So if you tell him, quit crying like a little girl, Mm -hmm. this is what you're wow, I never thought of it like that. I was like, well, yeah, like these are the things that if we want to change the next generation, it has to start with our everyday language, mm-hmm. the things that we expect from them. And then we have to hold ourselves to that same standard. I'm not going to say to you, no means no. But then when you tell me to stop in a like, this mm-hmm. is your physical boundary or I don't like this, then I need to respect that and honor it because that's showing you that, number one, you should expect that the people in my life are going to honor what I say and the boundaries that I put down. And also, I need to do that for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard lesson because it's so ingrained in our culture, Mm -hmm. especially those of us of a certain generation and higher, where it's just normal. And we don't mean anything by it, but that's the mindset. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where... That comes from yeah and when we look at how you know we've changed the way we speak about african-american people and how Mm -hmm. we speak about the LGBTQ community like we don't use certain terminology because not I mean yes it's offensive but why is it offensive Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you don't we don't say the word retard anymore Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like I can't tell you how many times I've heard people get called out because they use that word where it's like we all know what you meant by it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that big of a deal but if you're using that word as an insult what is that saying about an entire Mm -hmm. subsection of our population and we have to pay attention to that yes
1: yes and so that's what one of our programs would be eventually is getting those books and putting Mm -hmm. them in every library and you know youth serving organization but also the next step is to have those community classes Mm -hmm. where we can have those conversations and get that education out because just like with everything that you just talked about until it starts being talked about we don't know right you know and we have to not
0: that my husband was ever Mm -hmm. trying to be belittling because he's Probably more of a feminist than I am. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. in his mind, women should run the world because men have fucked it up so far, you know? Um, But it's just those ideas that
1: until you... That you say it without even thinking. And so that's where, you know, being able to educate about not only what you... If you suspect abuse, but now if it is happening and then how to help your family through that. But also... Even if you don't ever get there, autonomy. Mm-hmm. Your kiddo can have autonomy over their body just like you do. You right. know, So they don't have to kiss grandma if they don't want right. to. And you ask about giving them a hug before you give them a hug. Yes, that might seem a little um, broken or weird to you at first, You know, as some people would say, but that's setting that standard and right. that example for them as well as it's that pay idea. attention to how your body feels. Right. If that happens and that makes your body feel... You know, like you have butterflies in your stomach or your, um, your skin gets all pringly or whatever, you know, like where you have those conversations with them. So they also learn how to trust those instincts. Because to right. go back to that concept all the way before, what had happened is I had shut down so much in order to survive in the environment that I was in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying, you know, like I didn't have any of those instincts. None of those things right. were happening. And that wasn't because I was some bad person or a bad mom or because I... Drop the ball somewhere. It's because I had unhealthy stuff mm-hmm. that I was working with and hadn't healed And to also, heal as from. women, we are conditioned, conditioned yes. to Well, that's so. My unhealthy stuff. Yep. Instincts down,
0: <laughs> and well, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, yes. or I don't want to. So, even though yes. I'm uncomfortable, I'm just going to. Push and what's through my it?
1: role as a wife? What's my role as right. a daughter? What's my role as a mother? You know, like yes. yes, all of those things. So when I say unhealthy, I don't necessarily mean like some big trauma in my right. life. But those were unhealthy things that I had put in my world. And then there were some unhealthy things that were from traumas. And, you know, now all the time, you don't have to. You know, if if I ask my children for a hug, I'm their mother. I love them. They know that. But I ask my children for a hug. And it's also the idea of, you know, the pendulum has to
0: swing all all the the way way. back. You know what I
1: mean? So... You are the first person ever that has said that, that I haven't talked about with at first, but I say that all the time. Yeah. We have to swing all the way to the other side to then come back and find our happy middle. Right. So we, and like in
0: TV shows and stuff, they make fun of the whole like, oh, well, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Because the whole idea of consent is a hot topic right now. And we laugh at it. But there's a reason why we have to go that far. Because then at some point, it'll level out. Mm -hmm. And if we teach our children this awkward way of like, I'm going to make sure that you consent, then at some point in their adult life, they're going to find that happy medium Mm -hmm. of like, you know, they're going to be in a relationship where, you know, things happen naturally without asking the question. But they have to have that understanding Mm -hmm. first. So let's make it as Awkward and blatantly obvious as possible so that they learn those lessons Mm -hmm. as they get
1: older. Well, and also so that they know because kiddos have to do what adults tell them. Right. That's what they, you know, that's how. So if they don't hear something else that that tells them that they get to say, no, I don't like that. Right. Yes, there could be as minimal as you have to eat all your broccoli, but it could be as maximum as. (laughs) My my youngest, my youngest
0: daughter, she's notorious. She's only three, but. She's a spitfire. Mm-hmm. And
1: from the time
0: that she understood what a kiss was, she refuses to give them to anybody. Mm-hmm. And she will not accept them. So we'd be like, can I, like, we'd come near, she literally smack you in the face, like, stay out of my bubble. I said, no, mm-hmm. no. And she didn't, she wasn't very verbal at the beginning either, but you'd come up for a kiss and bam, right across the face, because that's her boundary. All mm-hmm. right, so now <laughs> we got to wait for you to come give us a hug, because mm-hmm. she wants no part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you ask, you know, like, what's the other thing that you would, um, a lay person, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you're having those conversations with your friends, it would be, you know, to try and encourage them to go to counseling, to be working with a support group, whatever that may be. And so now whoever's listening to this knows about KKC Cares and you can, you know, recommend them to us or recommend us to them too. But the, oh, I lost it. You were just saying the better. Oh, so sometimes people also struggle with, you know, because this happened, this is why my kiddo does this. Mm-hmm. And what do I do with that? So, like your daughter smacking. Right. You know, some parents might be like, that is totally unacceptable. Right. You know, I don't care why they don't get to hit, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Three years old, still finding the words, yeah. still learning. Yeah. And, but then you can also flip that to, You know, well, they're doing, you know, are they doing this because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this,
0: my oldest, because she was my oldest. You know, and so when she was like five or six, she went through this really angry, Mm -hmm. she was mad at everybody. And it's that, okay, well, is this normal Mm -hmm. for a five-year-old who is dealing with big emotions and just like every other five-year-old? Or is she extra angry because of what happened Mm -hmm. to her? Mm -hmm. It wasn't until my son turned five or six and he had the same angry streak that I'm like, oh, this is kind of just a kid thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But so every milestone that she hits, it's like, wait, is she lashing out in this way because of her trauma? Mm -hmm. Is she, you know, acting or lying or stealing because of her trauma? Or is this normal kid behavior? Mm -hmm. I don't. And I'm an educator. I went to school for it. But it was just... Dealing with a child in an education setting is mm-hmm. different than raising a child.
1: Yes. Well, and it's different when it's not yours.
0: Right. It yes, just is. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I went through a lot of that of like, wait, is this normal mm-hmm. behavior or is this trauma related behavior? Yeah. Oh, and I all do the we time. need to take her to a, a counselor because she's kind of done the on and off thing. We're like, there are times where she doesn't really
1: mm-hmm.
0: need it. And then there are times where, all right, we got to get, get her back in because she's
1: struggling. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, well. So that was going to be the other thing is, and then also throw out to them, you know, would it be good for them, your kiddo to be going to a counselor or whatever, you know, like, so just being open and listening, but like what you were just talking about, what I just, life is hard Mm -hmm. for a child, period. Yes. For a human, period. And then, yes, you throw in all of these other pieces. And so like in our family, we have, I don't want to say it's a rule because that makes it sound much, but the standard is counseling and you can go every three months ever whatever but because i want you to still have that established relationship with someone mm-hmm. because if a struggle happens that is the last time you need to or we right, need to, to be getting to know somebody establishing new. it yeah, yeah. That's i want true. you to just have this ongoing and if it's not working out, we'll find you somebody oh, else. Oh, exactly. But, yes, which yeah. we've done. You know, we've done um, several different counselors for some of the kiddos, and then some have stayed right with all the way through. And also, um, at different times, they need different things. You know, like right. my my one son, girl, when he was younger, was totally fine. Then when he got a little older, he wanted a male. Mm-hmm. That was just that what made worked for him. And then my other son, that wasn't even a thing. You know, so for a lay person but also for yourself when you're going through this really through life you know also be kind to yourself be patient with Mm -hmm. yourself you know give yourself some room to get to know yourself get to know your kiddos and don't spend your time trying to do things because it's what should be done or because like even if this has happened in your life and you're like okay how much of this is because of trauma how much of this is because of End result is that behavior needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. So what is the best way to go about addressing that behavior? Who's your team to help you do that? And then maybe you'll figure out the why. Right. But regardless, that That's behavior needs advice. to be addressed. Right. So, And I like the yeah,
0: that you, okay, this is what we need to do. And what does our
1: team look like? Mm-hmm. Parents, yes. counselors, teachers, yes. all of that. And then trusted professionals. Like, again, I want to specify just because somebody has a PhD does not mean that that person is a good fit for you and your family. Right. And does not mean that they have the experience, the understanding or the, you know, the reason why there are as many people as there are in the world and as many people in these professions as there are is because we can take the time to find one. That fits fits us, you know, and that's not saying that just because you get to an uncomfortable place with your counselor, you you stop (laughs) seeing your counselor. (laughs) So that's the other thing to be paying
0: attention to. But there's also that idea of like, you know, what resonates with you. And like that whole idea of paying attention to, you know, if they say something that's you're like, that doesn't sit right. And I don't know why. Mm hmm. Then ask them more questions. Delve in, get some more clarity. And if it's just like, no, that's not, okay, now maybe it's time that we move on. But if it's something where even that was painful to hear, I didn't like that. But it's true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That
1: sitting Yeah, with if that. we're being real with ourselves, we know when it resonates, why it resonates. Right. And exactly. sometimes it's because no, and then sometimes it's like, ugh, So how can like people that. get involved
0: <laughs> with, well, let me backtrack and mm-hmm. s- ask first, what level are you
1: in play are you so right now everything is submitted and we are in the process of waiting until we get our ein number so if we have
0: someone at this moment can we refer them to you because i have
1: been doing this work on a volunteer basis for the last eight years okay perfect and so we are starting our first support group call on january 12th um and i'm assuming do you do notes like on your, for your podcast. So like, can yes, our page yes, and yes. my yep. phone number and all yep. that stuff get put on there? Um, so that would be a way to reach yep. out. And then um, in regards to volunteer opportunities, that's going to kind of grow and change, you know, depending on um, once we're officially going and right. what um, services are needed and as we get clients. But our next step is, like I said, we're just starting the support group. I have two families I'm helping right now, have been one for a couple months and then one for like nine months. Um, if, if there's anybody in your world right now that could benefit from having that conversation, you can send them my way, even though we're not quote unquote official. <laughs> Cause like yeah. I said, I've been doing this for a while. Um, but then the next step is to just support client, you know, support families mm-hmm. and do support groups and then have those support groups grow to the different areas as we have the people who need it. And then eventually, like I said, it would be the book program, the community education program, you know, um, addressing things like sometimes people don't realize that people can have pled guilty, been in jail, been on probation, the whole kit and caboodle and still pass a background check. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some people don't know that, which because, again, you would assume. Well, so here's the frustrating
0: thing for me. And I'm going to rant for a minute, okay? So it drives me insane that someone who has been convicted of something like that can then function as a regular member of society afterwards. And then somebody who does everything right and gets into water that's over their head, they, you know, like for myself, I have lost opportunities Mm -hmm. because of what he did. Right. That is frustrating to me. That as somebody who didn't make that mistake, who didn't tear apart a family and lives, I am suffering the consequences because I chose to marry someone that I didn't, you know, like I didn't choose to marry a pedophile. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it wasn't on his dating yes, profile Yes, when you were taking, whatever, you know when what I you mean? were like,
1: making your vows,
0: you were not doing it to a pedophile. Right. <laughs> you were doing it to, yes, yes. So like the idea that my life is hindered. But his might not be when he gets out of prison. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. That makes me so angry. And even like we've talked about more in depth of your story and how like what actually happened to him makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. Like that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Whether he was related to her or not shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. She was a child and he was her caregiver. Mm -hmm. Who cares if they share blood? Mm -hmm. She trusted him. You trusted him. And he, what was it?
1: Probation? Um, He was arrested or charged for an arrested, charged with and arrested for sexual abuse in the first degree, sexual abuse in the third degree and endangering the welfare of a child. But he was able to be prosecuted for the third degree and endangering the welfare of a child, which are misdemeanors. The first degree is a felony. The other two are misdemeanors. So if he had been found guilty in criminal court, he would have spent 30 days in county jail, according to the ADA. Um, and then, so one of the things that she talked with my daughter about was um, that three years probation. And she said yes to that versus right, the trial. Right, which makes
0: complete sense mm-hmm. on
1: behalf of your, but the idea that the choices
0: were 30 days in prison mm-hmm. or three years probation is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that is what I honestly when I walked into this situation, that's what I expected because that's what I've heard where like I had a friend in high school whose stepfather got three years in jail. That's what I was expecting. In my case, it ended up being different. They charged him with 11 felonies and the plea deal that they offered him was 18 years in prison. Mm -hmm. That was the plea deal because Mm -hmm. he was looking at 75 years consecutively. It ended up, he got 12 and a half, but still, I, I was shocked that mm-hmm. he got
1: that much time, because I am used to hearing that story, where they... Well, and that's also the other part, which I don't know where we are in time, so I don't want to go off, like, yeah, on this fine. whole other other tangent, but that's the other part that I've learned in this is, yes, there are laws, and judges make decisions based on those laws, but... They're also open to interpretation to a certain extent. Right. That different counties, different towns, different states Mm -hmm. have different ways of doing it. We do not have a federal database. So if somebody's convicted and on probation in Pennsylvania and comes to New York, it's up to them to inform. Which, Which yes, do. they could violate their probation and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but somebody has to follow through on that and da, 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 Right. There's no federal. So even if you were to run a background check, they could pass. Right. Because if you're only running it in New York State, they haven't exactly. been convicted of anything in New York State. Exactly. But then there is no database. So if you really wanted to do, like, let's say... Um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or whatever, wanted to do, and I don't, I'm not saying they do this. <laughs> okay, so let me rephrase that. Take back a specific. If you run a youth-serving organization and you wanted to do a background check and you wanted to truly find out, you would have to call every all 50 states and then countries, honestly, because right. we're connected to two, and find out That's whether insane. or not, you know, and then, like, Saratoga County, Where i live the sheriff's office does do his own they do this their own put together and it's on their website of any registered sex offenders Mm -hmm. in our county awesome it is and i'm not saying that sarcastically i'm saying awesome because there are three levels so level one registered sex offender in order to find out that they are one you have to call a 1-800 number and when you call it 1-800 number you need to know name, full name, birth date, social security number, yeah. and or address. You have to know three of those four things to be able to find out whether or not they're a registered sex offender. And, and now let me rephrase two, or let me say, I haven't done this in eight years, so maybe it's a little different now, but sure. as of eight years ago, that's what you had to know, and you had to call that number, and then you also had to leave your name and number. In case that person started getting harassed now because they could come back at you (laughs) and you were not allowed to share this information publicly. You were only allowed to get that information for yourself to know so that you could protect your family family. to find out a level one registered sex offender level two and level three are on the website. But again, you have to know certain information to know. So I am glad that Saratoga County does that. Right. Because you don't need, you just go onto their website and you know. But again, humans are doing it. Technology is a part of it. You know, like, so again, it's not a fail safe. Right, right. But I'm glad they're doing that. So that's what I want to have be a part of the community education too, is not to just assume these things. To not just think that because, you know, the local Sports club runs a background check, you're all good. Right. Now what the answers to that is, you know, how you go about changing that, what does that look like for each community, that's gonna be a community based thing, but nobody knows it. Right. So you're not you can't do anything about something you don't know it's anything problem, about. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that's another component that I would like to do. Obviously, the first and foremost is helping
0: the families, families as they're going through. Going
1: to, yeah. You know, my first goal was helping me and mine, and then now to share what we've learned and help others.
0: Well I think that it's a beautiful organization and I think that your heart is evident in every piece of it. And I thank you for going through and following through on all of this. Uh I mean it's something that I've always wanted to be involved in, but just couldn't figure out how to do it It because it
1: doesn't
0: (laughs) actually Mm exist. You know what I mean? So you said, well If it doesn't exist, we're going to make it right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's fantastic. Um, We do like to end every episode with a lit bit. So this one, especially, was pretty heavy. (laughs) And um, but I think it's I think it's beautiful and positive to have these conversations. I know that when I was going through it, I had a lot of people who would ask me questions or I would offer up information because people want to know, they want to understand but they're scared to ask. They're mm-hmm. scared to have these conversations. And I think that it is healthy for us, having mm-hmm. been through it, and healthy for people who never have to understand it in
1: a different way. So if we are able to talk about it, I think that that's excellent. Yes, well, and it goes back to, again, what you were talking about, about how we've changed how we talk about certain things that mm-hmm. came from these types of conversations. Right, absolutely. That came from people that's who true. were willing to take the time, take the make the effort, be a little uncomfortable. Yeah to make those changes. It's the same with this, you know, and and there's an organization called Darkness to Light that helps people with um, sexual abuse. Um, But mainly focused is the child molestation, but I've always loved that name Mm -hmm. because Darkness to Light, we need to bring this out of the darkness and into the light because that's where it gets to live is in the dark, scary place. Right, and as victims, you know, it's not our
0: shame. Mm-hmm. I should not be ashamed of what happened to my family. My daughter should not be ashamed mm-hmm. of what happened to her. And the more we can talk about it, the more we it is in the light where it's not something that needs to be hidden and people can't know or they're going to think poorly of me. Mm-hmm. Because 90% of people don't, right? Mm-hmm. Most of us have been sexually molested or been sexually abused in well, some the way the statistic
1: is one in three girls one in seven boys by the time they are 17 years old will have right. been yeah, that's so yeah there's a good number, number of, us. of yes so the idea that we have to hide that from mm-hmm. the world
0: is is crazy but yeah so we like to end our show with a lit bit something mm-hmm. that's positive and uplifting that's either going on in your personal life or that you see happening in your community we like to just kind of end that
1: way um Um, so something positive in my life and something positive or and or in my community um well in my life uh often for many years people would ask me how are you doing and I'd answer by telling everybody how my children were doing Mm -hmm. so I'm working on talking about myself beautiful (laughs) not just my kiddos um and what is positive in my life right now is seriously this, that this is actually Mm -hmm. happening. Like I said, this is eight years in the making and we have an incredible board and it's a group of people that I met like along the way of doing all of these other things. And then, um, from one of them, her name is Adrienne. She's been on your okay. podcast. She And I'm pretty sure that we call Adrienne out on almost every single episode. <laughs> we bring it back to Adrian Gleeha. Always makes yeah. an appearance. <laughs> and she said, I think that you would really like and, you know, want to connect the two of you. Mm-hmm. And so we have. And then we've had this wonderful yeah. conversation as well as other another. And I'm sure many more to yeah. happen. And um, but that synchronicity mm-hmm. that is happening. You know, like that is what I'm enjoying right now. Yes. Like for eight years, this has been, but since this past summer, I started having conversations and the money for filing, you know, all the paperwork filing happened and, um, a board happened. And, um, like yesterday I just sat down and wrote out, I think a total of 10 of our policies Oh, all in one day. Like that synchronicity Mm -hmm. of, you know, like how, when you're going with the flow, Yeah you just get to swim along versus feeling that like you're swimming upstream. That is happening a lot right now. And then hearing my children, you know, talk about, and like I said, I have a granddaughter and she is seven and she'll say, so are you doing KK's cares work? Like, and I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, can I sit on your lap while I do it? And I'll be typing and she's, you know, learning to read and everything. And she's, you know, saying letters or that word is that. And, um, and then my kiddos knew I was coming here today and everybody said, good luck. And, you know, like what about doing, but they all have helped with paperwork or given me their opinion. Yeah. I asked all of them before I came on here. Are you okay if I talk about, you know, our story, yeah. is there anything that you don't want me to share, you know, and all of those things, you know, but so that synchronicity, but then also um, the connective, the ke- connectivity that's happening again for us is another positive mm-hmm. of this Quarantining time
0: um, is that we've
1: all gotten to, and we haven't talked about this much, and I don't want to end on a sad, but um, my daughter that we've talked about that was molested died in October of 2019, and my granddaughter is her daughter, and um, we, you know, have been working through and you know um, it wasn't
0: that long ago no
1: and 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 going through the different things and how we feel and healing and all of that and i have found quarantine time to be wonderful for Mm -hmm. that because we're all together and you don't really get to take a break from so you have to finish pushing through yeah some stuff that maybe you would have taken a break from but um we were sitting on the couch today uh my daughter my other daughter and uh, my granddaughter and i and we were watching the great, bake,
0: great America, great, great Britain. British, British, yeah, baking show
1: mm-hmm. or baking show. And so we were all talking about different cakes and everything. And um, my granddaughter goes, Sometimes I have where, you know, like my brain is really quiet and nothing's happening, and I'll have a song happen. She's like, You know, so I've been hearing the song, she's been watching the zombie movies on Disney mm-hmm. that are musical yeah, yeah, yeah. So She's like, You know, I, it's sometimes the zombie song or the greatest showman or. Um, I don't even remember what else she said. She goes, and I, I really think that that's mom. I think that that's mom, you know, helping me hear a song, and so like again, sad, but bringing it to, that and that, that stuff is happening all the time, and so that yeah. synchronicity, that calmness that peace that we have in our home that allows those types of conversations to happen and allows you to be open to those types of conversations because you're not busy Mm. or you you don't have this place to go or you can't have. That's true. Very much enjoying that in our lives right now. Very much enjoying it. Yeah, no, I talk a lot about how COVID was actually the best thing that could have
0: happened to me because Mm -hmm. it motivated me to quit a job that I didn't like. And it motivated my husband to come up with all of this And just uh, because I'm the president of the PTA and I'm a sitting member of my church board and I run the Christian ed and I do all of these things that take up my time. And I love all of them and Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing them. But I was forced to stop. And so our summer together was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we just spent so much time together that and it really taught me what's important Mm -hmm. moving forward what am i going to sacrifice my
1: time for Mm -hmm. because it has to be important if i'm going to do that yeah and that's what i've been really talking to my children about as well as myself and then others in my world but you know everybody talks about you know when we go back to normal okay but you get to decide what that normal is going to be right you've now gotten to see what it feels like with all of that taken away because it just what it just was wasn't a choice, but now you get to choose. Right. How much of that and what feeds yeah. you?
0: Yeah.
1: What do you, what feeds your soul? What do you want back in your life, right. and what do you not want to have Absolutely. back in your life? And that's an incredible gift. It is. It
0: it really is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> so my lip bit for today. Um, this holiday season was a bit tumultuous, I guess, with you know COVID and kids being in school or not being in school, and are we gonna go see? Uh, 90 year old grandmother or not you know all of that stuff Mm -hmm. um but i just i have gathered together a tribe of people in my life that i just like we kind of pod together where there are only real social interaction Mm -hmm. or just these same people right but it's just the level of Cause I'm that friend that's always, I'm the first phone call when you need something because I'm, I'm happy to be there and happy to do it. And I have these friends now that check in with me, like, Mm. what do you need? What can I do to make your life better? Show up every time they tell me they're going to show up and actually help me with the things that I need help with and force me to ask them for help, mm-hmm. which is not something I'm comfortable with and mm-hmm. but just like knowing that I have these people that I can truly depend on and are there for me and my family. And and there are a couple of things that were just like really big, huge gifts of either time or physical gifts that I've been given that were just like through blew me out of the water mm-hmm. because I'm not used to that. I'm not used to having people that I can depend on in that way. So it's been a very beautiful couple of months just, like, understanding that my family that I've Mm -hmm. put together for me and my kids is just a happy, happy
1: one, you know? Yeah, we talk about that all the time. We get to make our family. It doesn't have to be just who we were given. Um, Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. And wonderful that you're able to recognize it, too, because sometimes Mm. we get so... Wrapped up in that tape in our head that we don't even recognize that. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here
0: tonight. I appreciate you taking the time. And we did run a little long, but that's right. I think that we... There was no point in that conversation that we could have stopped. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. And I have to say, this was very much more comfortable than I ever thought it would be. This is my first time ever doing this. So thank you for making it actually kind of fun, right? (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I don't know that you'll go back and listen to it, but probably, even though I. So uh, you mentioned that the hate, hating the sound of your voice, voice recorded. I've, uh, I've <laughs> been doing a lot of research on chakras, mm-hmm. and I don't know where you stand on these kind of things, yep. but I I don't know much about them. But I've been kind of gleaning, and actually, when we have a so like our throat chakra mm-hmm. deals with communication, and there can be blockages and things like that, and it can either manifest itself in being volatile with our language or being silent with our language. And one of the ways that you can pinpoint having a blockage or needing some balance in mm-hmm. that chakra specifically, and I did a lot of research on that one because that's the one that I'm most mm-hmm. dealing with. But they said that not liking the sound of your voice can actually be an indicator of having a disruption mm-hmm. in the balance of that chakra specifically. Yep. That's Which I thought I. was very interesting because I was like, I tell Matthew all the time, I'm
1: like, I don't want to go back and listen to the podcast because I don't want to hear myself talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the throat chakra has been a one of mine for a long time, which is why I have this tattoo okay. where I have it because, and it's an infinity symbol, but um, to help keep my throat chakra infinitely open oh, okay. because that has always been, mm. like, throughout my entire lifetime. And I've done yes. lots of work, so I've gotten much better But it is still a work work in in progress. progress. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: thank you again. And as always, you can find us on millionreasonstovote.org and all of the social media uh, places that we always talk about. Have a great night.